Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. So uh, we're doing at the movies. This is end of year, bit of fun, bit of creativity. We still read a lot of the Bible. It's based in the Bible. In fact, I've got more Bible today than I have in a message, I think ever. Um, And so we're going to read a lot of scripture. But uh, we have a bit of fun because it's a great time to invite. It's a great time just to um, learn. So I'll just, without further ado, I'll kind of throw to the first little um, thing there. This is the moment you waited for Been searching in the dark Your sweat soaking through the floor And buried in your bones There's an ate that you can't ignore It's holding your breath Still in your mind And all that was real is left behind Don't fight it, it's coming for you Running at you It's only this moment, don't care what comes after Your fever dream, can't you see it getting closer? Just surrender cause you feel a feeling taking over It's fire, it's freedom, it's flooding open It's a picture in the paper in your flooding potion So something's breaking in the break of every wall and hole and So tell me, do you wanna go? Where it's falling on the colored lights Where the runaways are running the night Watching it come true, it's taking over you This is the greatest show We light it up, we won't come down And the sun can't stop us now Watching it come true, it's taking over you This is the greatest show So we come these renegades in the rain When the locks get bound in a crown to the circus cage Don't fight it, it's coming for you running at you It's only this moment, don't care what comes after Now people dream tight and now they're trying to Just surrender and you tell them you wanna go It's coming in on the colored lines Where the runaways are running the night This is the greatest show. It's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. It's here right in front of you. This is where you want to be. It's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. It's here. 
Cowboys used to love it when he did that pre-game for them. <laughs> Dungown pre-cowboys is a footy team, by the way. I just want to clarify. <laughs> okay. Um, welcome to the movies. Um, so let me just give you the synopsis of the of the movie The Greatest Showman. In the early 19th century, young P.T. Barnum and his tailor father Philo worked for the Hallett family. Barnum falls for the Hallett's daughter, Charity, classic. When Charity attends finishing school, she and Barnum write to each other until reuniting as adults. They eventually marry and raise two daughters, Caroline and Helen, in New York City. They live a humble life, and though Charity is happy, Barnum craves more. Barnum loses his shipping clerk job when the company goes bankrupt due to a typhoon that sank all the firm's cargo vessels. He later secures a bank loan deceptively using his former employees, employers' lost ships as collateral. He own, opens Barnum's American Museum in downtown Manhattan, which features various wax figures. Uh, ticket sales are slow, so Caroline and Helen, his daughters, suggest showcasing something alive. Barnum adds freak performers such as bearded lady Letty Lutz and dwarf man Charles Stratton. Now, in real life, P.T. Barnum is a menace. He is a crook. He's a thief. Uh, he's yeah, just a bad guy all round. Um, but this is not at the real life stories of people who will rip you off. It's at the movies. So we're just going to reference the P.T. Barnum from the movie. And he's a man with great ambition. And he's got great plans and a great vision for the future. And, and he wants a lot from, from life. And there's nothing inherently wrong with ambition at all. Some people have it more than others. Some people are born with it. Some people have it from disadvantage. Some catch it from their environment. But people have ambition. Here's the thing. Accomplishment, number one, accomplishment does not equal satisfaction. You can have ambition, but the more you do, the more you achieve, that does not make you any more satisfied. And a man called King Solomon discovered this. You might know uh, or have heard of King Solomon. Um, you might have heard of the wisdom of Solomon. It's talking about this guy. He's King David's son. And pretty much King David was a, a shepherd boy in obscurity who God saw his heart and David had a heart after God. Now David gets it wrong and, and messes it up so much later on in life, but he never, just because he messes it up, he still runs back to God. He always has a heart after God, but he does even in his solitude and a heart after God gets God's attention. Let's read 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth so that he may support those whose heart is completely his. And David's heart was his. So God, when the previous king, his heart is no longer God's, but King David's is, or he's not a king at that point, David's is, God tells Samuel the prophet to go and anoint David to be the next king because he has a heart after him. Now, when the people come, you see King Saul was tall and handsome. So when the first son of the, the family comes out and he's tall and handsome, Samuel assumes that that's the way that we're going again. But God says this in 1 Samuel 16, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so 
Through many twists and turns, David becomes king. And then later on, his son Solomon becomes king as well. And he catches this from his dad, that you need to have a heart that is after God's. We'll take up the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. It says, at that time, the people of Israel sacrificed their offerings at local places of worship for a temple honouring the name of the Lord had not yet been built. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father, David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incest at the local places of worship. The most important of, important of these places was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, you showed great and faithful love to to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. He's not pride. He's not proud. He's full of humility. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous that they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one has ever had or ever will have. And I'll also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David, as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realised it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings and then he invited all his officials to a great banquet. Solomon could have asked for anything that he wanted, but he recognises that accomplishment, that notoriety, that fame, that that does not equal satisfaction. And he recognises that his heart after God is what is most important. Accomplishment doesn't equal satisfaction. After this, he goes, it says he offered all those um, sacrifices at Gibeon. And then he goes to the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the Lord's presence. And he is clearly understanding, even right at the jump, that the most important thing for him is to retain the Lord's presence, is to be in the presence of God. That accomplishment doesn't equal satisfaction, but that the presence of God is where satisfaction is found. However, number two, a great start doesn't ensure a great finish. He starts so well here. He's devoted to the Lord. When he could have asked for anything he wanted, death of his enemies, whatever it might be, three more wishes, a never ending packet of Tim Tams. He doesn't ask for any of that. He asks for wisdom. And just after this is the passage that's referenced in TV shows and movies and songs. Um, and it's referencing where uh, two mums were living in the same house with their babies. Now, it doesn't say what happened to the dads, doesn't mention the dads at all. We assume maybe that they're single mums or they're widows. We're not sure. Well, that would make them single mums still, whatever. Get it together. Um, okay. But what happens is, tragically, one of the mums rolls on her baby and the baby suffocates and dies. And, and, and we don't know why. We, we, like you could theorise about a bunch of things, but what we do know, because they're both sons, is that without a husband, you have no form of social welfare unless your son provides for you. Like without a son, that's it for you, unless you can find another husband or um, another way of living back then. And so she goes and takes the other mum's son. It could have just been, you know, who knows what it was, but she takes him. And she says, this is my baby. And the other mum says, no, that's not your baby, that's my baby. And so they go to the king to ask for wisdom, to ask for a judgment. 
And, and, the, and King Solomon's like, well, what do I know? Can't even tell my own kids apart. How am I supposed to know whose baby this is? And he said, but I tell you what, let's cut the baby in half and you take half the baby and you take half the baby. And one of the mums is like, sweet, do it. And the other mum is like, no, okay, 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 no, she can have it, she can have it. And Solomon says, you're the right mum, you're the real mum. And everyone was astounded that he could make such an incredible judgment. It's like, you're a genius, Solomon, well done. And he's showing his wisdom. It says that he wrote 3,000 wise sayings and 1,005 songs. 1,005, one of them is in our Bible called Song of Songs. It's his favourite song. I'm going to put it out there. Sorry, teenagers, but it's all about sex, that song. Okay, that's his favourite one. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Um, okay, check it. Let's look at this. 1 Kings chapter 4. This is the state. I'm going to skip through some of these verses. I'll just read the start of them. But it says, The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sands on the seashore. They were contented with plenty to eat and drink. This is under Solomon's rule. Solomon ruled over the kingdoms from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt in the south. The conquered peoples of these lands sent tribute money to Solomon and continued to serve him throughout his lifetime. The daily food requirements for Solomon's palace, etc. Lots of food, lots of food, lots of food. Verse 24. Solomon's dominion extended over all the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River from Typhash to Gaza and there was peace on all his borders. There's not been peace on those borders since but in that day, in Solomon's day, there were peace on those borders. Ah, I lost my place. Um, During the lifetime of Solomon, all of Judah and Israel lived in peace and safety. And from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, each family had its own home and garden. Solomon had 4,000 stores for his chariot horses and he had 12,000 horses. The district governors faithfully provided food for King Solomon and his court. They also brought the necessary barley and straw. God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge of vast as the sands and the seashore. In fact, his wisdom ex- exceeded all that of all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's weird when you find an English name in the Hebrew Bible. Um, good old Ethan. He's wiser than him. And the sons of Mahol, uh, Heman, Calcol, and Dada. He was even more wise than those guys. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants. You know, he's that guy. When you say, oh, that's a beautiful flower. Oh, yeah, that's a Lecturnus bedutius. Thank you. Um, from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from the cracks in the wall, he could also speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Then he builds a temple and it's glorious. It takes him 20 years, but then the presence of God comes and fills the temple with his glory. And it's amazing. He then builds a palace. And it gets to the point where it says that silver was worthless in Solomon's day. It was, it was also plentiful that they made things out of gold. But then, now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them. Now, this was not because God was against mixed race marriages. He was totally fine with that. But this was the reason because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Oh, Daz has left the room. Look, we're going to have to do it again. (laughs) Can you drag your chair over, mate? I had to do this with Lockie in the 8.30 because Daz had to take the bus back from all of us. And it would have been weird with any other bloke, but then I realised it was even weirder with my son. Imagine that I'm dating Lockie. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
Um, what did Kate say in the car? You're incest the other day. And that's not how you use that word, Kate. She said, you're not in year 10. That's how you use that word. Um, so imagine that I'm trying to get Lockie to come my way. I'm trying to get him to live the way that I want to live. I love God and I want him. He, he doesn't love God. He doesn't know God. But you know what? I, I've, I've waited for God's best for me. I've waited for this guy that supposedly God's bringing my way, but he hasn't come yet. So I'm just going to date this guy, even though he doesn't believe what I believe. And, and our worldview is completely different, but hey, that's okay because I'll change him. I'm sure that with a lot of effort, I'll be able to change him. But what is more likely because of the difference in the gap and because of our flesh is that actually I get changed. And so if you're waiting for God's best, I want to encourage you not to settle at all. Don't, don't just go in the way. It is much easier for you to go to a different level than for you to change someone. God does a work in someone's heart. Wait till they're changed and then see if he lets you date them. Okay, so that was for free. Solomon did not do that as we read. Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. Boy has a problem. I know you guys are okay with it. Okay, fine. (laughs) Wow. Um, We're just going to start a discipleship course next term. (laughs) 700 wives. Like 70 wives would be ordinary. Seven wives would be ordinary. And three concubines. But he's got 700 wives and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Why? Because he didn't have any time to worship the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God. as his father David had been. Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. On the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, he even built a pagan shrine for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab. And another for Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Why is this awful? Because the pagan worship of those gods was to put your babies into the fire and Solomon built a shrine for them. Solomon didn't just lose his way, he made the nation lose their way and and that's not okay. So a great start doesn't equal a great finish. You need to be diligent, you need to be vigilant, you need to be prayerful, you need to recognise that that you could easily fall but for the grace of God there go you and you need to stay completely dependent on Him. Thirdly, your appetite is never fully and finally satisfied. You, feel, you feed it and it needs feeding. It's never enough. It's never enough. Um, did you know, I, I wish that I could have two squares of Cadbury dairy milk chocolate. And then I'm like, hmm, I don't think I'll ever eat chocolate again. Then that appetite is fully and finally satisfied. But I've found that you can, you can down a block as long as you hydrate. <laughs> It's like you get a little bit sick, you just chug some water, you can finish it off. And, and, and that probably is enough to make you go, well, I won't do that again until tomorrow. <laughs> you get a little bit stressed in the afternoon, you have a bit of a, like a low and you're like, huh, there's another block there somewhere. I work in the same office as Renee these days and she always like puts a little chocolate bar on my desk. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm not really eating. <laughs> it's never enough. So Barnum, back to Barnum, he renames his venture Barnum Circus and he persuades famed Swedish singer Jenny Lind to tour America with him as her manager. And she's a success and he gains favour with aristocratic patrons but he distances himself from the troupe. Let's look at this clip. 
Miss Jenny Lin. So Barnum takes her on the tour and his wife feels isolated at home and then the woman becomes romantically attracted to Hugh Jackman and um, then he rejects her advances and she quits and surprises him with a kiss and it looks like they've had an affair Uh, but then he goes home because it's not looking good and his circus is on fire and so he's had all these dreams and all these excitement and he makes it what he wants to make it to the posh crowd, but then it's not enough. It's still not enough. And, and then everything falls apart. So King Solomon actually gets there as well. He writes in Ecclesiastes chapter one, these are the words of the teacher, King David's son who ruled in Jerusalem. So let's not forget everything that we've read about this guy, all that he accomplished, all the peace, all the prosperity, all the wisdom, 
Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all the hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Round and round it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea's never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again into the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Some people say, oh, here's something new but actually it's old nothing's ever truly new we don't remember what happened in the past and future generations so no one will remember what we're doing now in fact your appetite gets to the play oh uh, then he goes on in chapter two and says I said to myself come on let's try pleasure let's look for the good things in life but I found that this too was meaningless so I said laughter is silly what good does pleasure do after much thought I decided to cheer myself with wine and while still seeking wisdom I clutched at foolishness in this way I tried to experience the only happiness most people find in their brief life in this world I tried to find meaning by building huge homes. I made gardens and parks. I built reservoirs. I bought slaves. I owned large herds and flocks. I collected great sums of silver and gold. I hired wonderful singers. I had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for my labours. But as I looked at everything, I had worked so hard to accomplish it. It was also meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing worthwhile anywhere. And he goes on like that for 10 more chapters. <laughs> and then in Ecclesiastes 12, he says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret, secret thing, whether good or bad. You know, you might have a friend that they're like hanging out for this thing and they're praying and they're believing and then they get it. And then they're, like, oh, that didn't satisfy. And then like, okay, this next thing, oh, I'll, I'll get married. That'll be awesome. And then that doesn't satisfy. They didn't marry Darren Bennell, that's why. <laughs> but you, you know that even like, it, it, no matter what, it won't satisfy. It's never enough. And so what King Solomon here is saying is come back home. Let's watch his final clip now. I saw the sun begin to dim and felt that winter wind blow cold. A man learns who is there for him when the glitter fades and the walls won't hold. Cause from that rubble one remains can only be what's true. If all was lost, there's more I gained, cause it led me back to you. and queens, the politicians praised my name, but those were someone else's dreams, the pitfalls of the man I became, for years and years I chased their cheers, 
crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, I remember who all this was for. obviously was going to reunite with his wife and, and that was fantastic um, and to come home to his literal family but we all know that that's no guarantee either that things can happen in our family and that we don't see coming and, and what we thought would actually be amazing doesn't end up amazing but the cry of our father's heart today is to come back home it's actually come back home Come back to me. In Revelations it says, I stand at the door and knock. And whoever, the door of your heart and knock. And whoever opens that door, that I'll come in and I'll eat with them. And <laughs> she's, she's good. She's fine. <laughs> and, and that she will, and that God will come in. And, and maybe today you feel that knocking on the door of your heart. And it's simply just a matter of you saying, yes, Jesus, I want to go your way. I want to follow you. Apart from that, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This idea that serve God and serve others. Love God and love others. 1 Thessalonians 4, 12, 11, Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you'll not need to depend on others. Uh, There's a way of living that will get recognition from others, but this is a way of living that will get respect from others. 
We can win respect by loving God and serving others. So just coming back to that first verse that we started with, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth so that He may support those whose heart is completely His. And just as I was meditating on this um, message, I was thinking about a, a life verse that God gave to me when I was a teenager. Psalm 131 verse 1 to 2, it says, Lord, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. I do not consider myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. I was one of the great and the awesome. But God gave me this verse to go, no, 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 no. Just don't concern yourself with it. Instead, I've calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And so if you have wild expectations and great dreams today, I pray that they'll fire up in you but that you'll know that the only satisfaction that is to be found is being home with our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And if you're someone who's like, I've got no dreams, I pray God would fire up your hunger for His presence, that, that you would not be able to be satiated, that you would find satisfaction in His presence only to be hungry for more of Him. And that actually we'd all come back home in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.